Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your Ron Rivera Fired Edition. This is Brian, as always, joined by Brad and John. John, how are you doing on this fine evening? I I'm I'm doing well. It's it's been an interesting day. It has been an interesting day. Brad, how have you been? Um, I've been the same. I, I things happened today that I didn't expect. Yeah, <laughs> things did happen that we. Didn't. So as I mentioned in the intro, uh, Ron Rivera was unexpectedly fired today, and this is coming off the heels of, on Sunday, the organization stating that they wouldn't make a decision on Marty Herney or Ron Rivera until after the season. So our staff writer, Eric, wrote a article about how everybody needs to be fired, and a few hours later, Ron Rivera was fired, which was an interesting coincidence. Um Brad, I know you have some things to say. Uh, start us off. Give me your thoughts on the Ron Rivera firing. Okay, first of all, it wasn't a coincidence. We are responsible for this, so you're welcome. Yes. Um, but um, legitimately, uh, this is going to be a straight, non-joking, top-of-the-line take here. Um, Ron Rivera, I've never met the man before. Uh, I cannot say that I know him personally because I don't. However, everything I've ever read, seen, or heard about Ron Rivera, the human being, is good. Uh, I've never heard anybody say a negative thing about him as a person. He is um, one of the few coaches in the league who has brought in um, women assistants to work during training camp to get training and internships on possibly getting their foot in the door uh, and opening that door in the league. He is a, a an animal lover, an advocate for rescuing dogs. Uh, he is a good father, a good husband. He's been married for I don't know how many years. I want to say it's like 30 years. Um, you know, he's everything you would want in a person. Uh, he's a, a very kind very gentle, very well-spoken person, but uh, it is a business. It is a, um, he is in a job where wins and losses are what truly matters. And unfortunately he's been the head coach of the Carolina Panthers for nine years. And in those nine years, he's had winning records three times. He is the winningest coach in franchise history. Uh, that number is probably skewed by the 2015 season where Cam Newton literally put the team on his back and dragged them to success going 15-1. and one. Um, Ron Rivera coached in the Super Bowl. Ron Rivera won an NFC championship. Ron Rivera was coach of the year twice. Ron Rivera won the NFC South three times in a row. All of those things are true. But we haven't had very much success as of late. The NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. Um, 
Yes, Cam Newton has been hurt all year. Yes, Kyle Allen is a garbage can. Um, but, you know, the defense that Ron Rivera calls the plays for, that that he switched the alignment for to make it faster and supposedly better, has been terrible. Um, we've lost three games in a row at home to terrible opponents. We lost to a two-win Falcons team, a two-win Washington team, and we lost to the Saints on the road. That's not really a problem. It's more commendable of how we played, but we still lost. Um, we are five and seven, I believe. Yes, we're five and seven. We are all but eliminated from the playoffs. We have no direction. We have no sense of urgency. We are doing the same things and expecting different results. And David Tepper finally said, you know, I think it's time to move in a different direction. Uh, Coaches generally don't last as long as Ron Rivera did without winning consistently. Uh, So he was given plenty of rope to, um, to win and he just couldn't get results anymore. So I, I don't think that firing him is a mistake. I actually think it's the right decision. I don't really know if firing him now matters more than firing him at the end of the season. I was kind of disappointed that David Tepper went back on his word, but here we are. Um, I think that Ron Rivera will be hired as soon as teams are allowed to hire him. I think he will be one of the first coaches who is hired. I don't know if he's going to be a head coach again within the next year or so, or if he'll be a defensive coordinator somewhere. But, you know, if you're a team that's consistently been terrible for the last three or four years and you need a culture change, Ron Rivera is your guy. He will take a three and 13, two and 14, four and 12 type team and turn you into a seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven team. Uh, he will do that within two years or three years, and you will be happy that he's turned everything around. The problem is, is that he will also take an 11 and five team and turn it into a seven and nine or eight and eight team. So I think if, if teams that are really terrible and need to rebuild, want to hire Ron Rivera to turn them around and he just bounces around the league every five years or so, he could have a coaching career that lasts another 20 to 25 years because I think he's good at, at doing that, at bringing in some stability and, and a culture change for a team that needs it. Uh, he just wasn't the right guy uh, for the Panthers anymore. And I'm, I'm not upset that he's gone. I'm not happy that he's gone. It's just a, you know, he's gone. John, do you have any, anything yeah, to say? I mean, yeah. Um, I'm trying not to repeat anything that Brad said, but I I don't like how much celebration there is about Ron Rivera getting fired. I think – I agree that it was, t- it was time for a change. Um, he was here for a long time, and without sustained success, it's hard to justify keeping someone around for this long. Um, even if he did okay, and even if you think he was a decent coach, like at a, some, a certain point, the message gets stale – um, it's just time to shake things up. And I think that's the point where the Panthers are at. Like, I don't think Ron Rivera is a bottom tier coach. I think he's like firmly in the middle of the league. 
Yes, but, mediocre is the best word to, to mm, describe. Yes, yeah, so the Panthers could definitely do worse than Ron Rivera, but they can do better. And when you have a coach, like a, an okay coach for a long time, like it's not, it's it's basically Marvin Lewis and the Bengals. Like Marvin Lewis was an okay coach, ran its course, and it turned into a train wreck. And that's kind of where the Panthers are headed right now. But Ron Rivera did a lot of good stuff right here, and he's a just like, inarguably a great person and a good man. And I don't like seeing people like celebrate that he just lost his job. Yeah. I think it's it's a little tacky. I think it is a little tacky to celebrate the fact that a man, a good man just lost his job. Yeah. He's, he didn't hurt anybody. He did the job as best he could. And it's time to go in a different direction. I don't think we should be like cheering from the rooftops and like holding big cell, like parties to celebrate that he got fired. I don't think that, is warranted for what he's done for this organization. But like I yeah. said, I agree it's time to move in a different direction. And I I thought Tepper's comments on the things, and also a couple of things. I like that Tepper did it now for the reasons he gave, and we'll get into more detail with that with Gina in a little bit. But I like that he decided that I'm going to get a new coach after the season. I don't, I want to start looking now, and I don't want to do it behind Ron Rivera's back. So yeah, that, I, I that appreciate that. me a lot of respect for Tepper and the, the mm. fact that they're going to allow Ron Rivera to, um, to know up front, you know, Hey, we're, yeah. we're moving on. So I'm, I'm glad that they're giving him the respect he deserves. And then letting him, you know, have a press conference like with the, in the stadium and all that stuff. Yeah. So did yeah. you guys want, Oh, go ahead, Brian. I'll let you go. before move to <clears> another <throat> thing. The only thing I had to say about it was that, so I know Panthers fans were getting sick of Ron Rivera and his, his general ideas and uh, mindsets for football and what he considered to be important. Um, I will say this was a year where we saw Ron Rivera at least transitioning towards something where he could be more successful in the modern NFL the the issue lies in that this is not the situation where you allow a coach to develop into that over the next two or three years. He's been here long enough where he's done what he's done. He's pretty much hit his ceiling. You can't, you can't really afford to give a coach more time to develop into what you think he should and what David Tepper believes to be important. Things like analytics, you know, the statistics behind it, looking at the data all that kind of stuff. Like that's not the kind of thing that you can expect Ron Rivera to evolve into anytime soon. And that's not a situation where this is a good place for him in Carolina. He might be in a good place to go to an organization where they're rebuilding. Now they're trying to get back to being competitive. They're trying to plan for the next few years where Carolina right now, they have Cam Newton, they have Luke Keekley. They have a lot of players still who are pretty good. They just draft some several several good players like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brian Burns. Like this is not a team where they are in a position to rebuild and allow for development. This is a team where clearly David Tepper wants to be competitive very soon, and that's where I think the the disconnect lied in with with Ron Rivera in that his method doesn't work anymore. Um, at least not for Carolina and what they have and what they're going for. So they need to move on to somebody who's a little more modern, who can make them competitive now where Ron Rivera could probably go to a team like maybe Miami, let's say, 
<clears throat> and in three years be an actually good head coach with consistent with consistent success. Like honestly, I think there's going to be a lot of Carolina Panthers fans who are going to be a bit shocked at what Ron Rivera does a few years down the line when he's had some time to really like embrace the modern concepts of the NFL. It's just this is not the situation for it. We kind of saw with Marty Herney where some time away from the game helps guys, I think, more so than trying to like like if Ron Rivera is away from the game or has gets a new job, it's an easier for them to like take a fresh approach um, based on like new information and stuff where it's a little harder to do that when you've been doing things a certain way in your current job for so long. Like yes. like like to use Marty Herney as an example. Like Marty Herney as a general manager in his second go around has been completely different than his first time. Like yeah, he learned from his mistakes, he's doing things that he should have done the first time, and it's and I don't I wouldn't be surprised if Rivera does the same kind of thing as a coach. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I was getting at, honestly. Like, yeah, I don't think that Ron Rivera is beyond repair. I don't think that he's a coach where this is all he will ever be. I think that he has the ability to be a better coach. Like we we saw how good he can be in 2015. Granted, that a lot of that had to do with Cam Newton, but still, like they were able to beat the doors off of teams a lot of times. And, you know, you have to give some credit to Ron Rivera for that. You have to give Ron Rivera some credit for 2017 when Carolina managed to come back from what should have been a losing year and end up making the playoffs. Like there, there are good things there. It's just that this is not, this is not the situation to sit on a head coach anymore. Like the Carolina needs a change. They needed to change. They need, somebody who's going to come in and take the pieces that they have and make them work in a different way. It's just not a good fit anymore. Yeah. I, and you know, I, where I, Ron Rivera would be perfect is in college. Yeah. It'd be a very I good think, college coach. I think he would be a very good college coach. I think he could be like, he could even be better than Jim Harbaugh is as a college coach. Uh, because I think he could recruit because I think he could convince 18 year old kids to come play football for him. I think he could motivate <clears throat> you know, 18 to 22 year olds, because I think he's a very good motivational type guy. Uh, it's just that when, when you have a group of millionaires who have been listening to the same message for nine years, it, it goes stale. And with college, you're, you're recycling players every four years. So the message doesn't really go stale because you always have new people to listen to it. So I think he would probably be better as a college coach than he was with the Panthers. Plus you can get away with his preferred style of play more in college, depending as obviously depends on the conference you're in, but in general you can get away with a more like traditional style of football. If you recruit well enough. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would take him at South Carolina right now. If it meant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I, I could see that that would work. I think. Did you guys see David Tepper's interview with, I think it was with Bill Voth, right? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you see the whole thing? I did. No, I, did. I didn't see the whole thing. Basically, he was very complimentary of Ron and said he respects him tremendously as a person and all that stuff. But And he thinks he's a good coach, but it was time to move on. It's the same stuff we're saying. Um, but I thought it was, he likes Marty Herney, and it sounds like Marty Herney's going to stay. Um and he's going to add another like VP of football off op slash um, assistant general manager. And the uh, the thing I thought was most interesting though was he said that I will start looking for the next head coach immediately. 
And I thought that was interesting because normally you don't think of owners as like directly involved in the head coach hiring process. And when you do, you think immediately of Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones. Right. Yeah. And that's bad. It is. I I really liked what I heard from Tepper in that because essentially the message that I got from it was I want a combination of the old guard as far as football discipline, but I want some of the new school stuff, the analytics, the statistics, the study of averages, stuff like that. Um, I think that he likes what Marty Herney has done as far as like surrounding his team with talent. But I think what he's like, there was a clip that someone showed. I think it was maybe Billy. Uh, from April of this year where Marty Herney was talking about how he's not big on the analytics. He's not big on that kind of stuff. He's always, you know, been an old school type of guy. I think that what Tepper is doing right now is he's taking those kind of, those traditional, maybe old school type mindsets and pairing them with somebody who is a new school type mindset. And I think that's why he opened that position to go alongside Marty Herney to have another set of eyes that is more so on the other end of the spectrum. And what I got from it was that he wants to put everybody, he wants to get a group of people and put them in the best position to succeed. And I think that putting Marty Herney in the best position to succeed is to let him look at the top end guys in the draft, you know, work, work that kind of thing where you put this guy alongside him to give him the analytics side of it to help map out maybe like the lower end of it, the the chance type stuff, the, the the dart throws in the draft, you know, the the low end free agents where you're working more so with the math of it rather than the game tape or the general feeling or the football mindset or whatever. I I liked what I like what he's saying in an idealistic standpoint. I'm just curious to see from an execution standpoint how that's going to work out over the next two years. I think it's a little different. I think and I mean, I understand the argument that if you're going to fire Ron Rivera, you should just fire everyone that's associated with any job within the football side of the of the organization and just completely start over. I get that uh, because that's what most teams do. But I don't think Marty Herney has done that bad of a job. For no, one. he absolutely uh, hasn't. The issue that we have is not a we don't have any good players. That's not the problem. Because, I mean, we need a quarterback because we either need to give Cam Newton an extension or find another quarterback because Kyle Allen is not it, clearly. So we need a quarterback, but we've got we've got an, an NFL MVP caliber running back. We've got two wide receivers who are very good at making people miss in space. We have the best defensive middle linebacker in the entire league. We have an up-and-coming edge rusher who's going to be elite. Uh, we have an underrated edge rusher on the other side in Mario Addison. Um, assuming we keep him, Shaq Thompson is a good player. James Bradbury is a good player. Dante Jackson has promise. Um, you know, we have a solid potential in Taylor Moten, Dennis Daly, and Greg Little. Um so it's not like we have bad players. We don't. We have good players. It's a coaching thing. And I think with the analytics stuff, I think most of what he's talking about is going to be like the things that me and John have been suggesting that Ron Rivera do. Like if it's fourth and two from the, what, let's say 38-yard line, 
instead of trying a, what would, that would be what a 54 yard field goal. Instead of trying a 54 yard field goal, just go for it on fourth down. Um, you know, pass the ball more, <laughs> you know, don't run the ball up the gut on first and 10 every single time. Don't run out of the jumbo formation inside the five yard line, spread the feet, spread the, the field out horizontally. Uh, if you're losing by 14 and you score a touchdown, go for two, um, you know, things like that. Can I, I, can I interrupt real quick? Sure. I just wanted to say, I, I get where you're, what you're saying, but there is another part of the analytics side of it as far as scouting potential free agents and draft picks where it's less about what you see on film and more so what you see from an analytics standpoint, as far as statistics, percentages, stuff like that. That part is something that I think Carolina has been missing for a long time. Um, well, we've never at, had it. I don't yeah, think it's like, been missing for a long time. <laughs> yeah, you're ever. right. We've never had it. But like, it's been missing forever. That's the kind of thing where the analytics do play into signing free agents as well, where you look at percentages, statistics, probability, rather than just the game tape, especially since every NFL team is different. Like, that's kind of like what I what I see going on with David Tepper bringing in somebody else to go alongside Marty Herney. If Marty Herney does in fact stay, I think they're going to bring that analytics side to scouting the free agent market, the NFL draft, all that kind of thing. And I think that's only going to pay more dividends to have that second, that second lens in, in there. Oh, I think Marty Herney is, I think there's one of two things that's going to happen. Either Marty Herney is getting fired the day after the season's over. And we're looking the, the vice ex, the assistant general manager is the real general manager or Marty Herney is going to get promoted to a title that really doesn't mean anything like president of operations or something where he still works for the organization. He just doesn't make decisions anymore and that we're hiring his replacement. That could be. I don't think Marty Herney is going to be the general manager of the Carolina Panthers next year. Tepper did say a lot of very, had like a lot of high praise for Herney and it sounded like he intends to keep him around. Like he said stuff. He likes the way he thinks he thinks he's a great scouting. Uh, He's great at evaluating talent and he doesn't want to lose that. Yeah. Um, yeah, He can make him like president, executive vice president, head of scouting or something, you know? He didn't just say, he didn't just say, by the way, that he thought he was a great mind. He thought he was one of the best in the NFL is what he said. Yeah. So what I interpreted that, and I saw somebody say this in one of the comments under the Ron Rivera was fired article. I feel like the way Tepper is, is he would want someone to another voice with Herney that could be like, so like Rashawn, like the example he uses, Rashawn Galden, like Herney says he likes the way this guy plays. And he's like, look, man, he's got like a fourth percentile spark score. Like he's not an NFL athlete. I don't think he'll translate like yin and yang things where they can pair the two together and be like my eye, like Herney's, you know, personal judgment of it. And if it, like if it gels with the, uh, they're like athletic testing numbers and stuff like, and they're stuff like that. If uh, it seems like a good pick and if they both mesh, then that's like a good pick for the Panthers. And on top of that, also with general approaches to free agency and uh, draft or draft picks. Yeah. Like, you know, Hey, Mari never like literally never trade up ever. Like don't do that ever again. Yeah. Trade back as much as you can. Like somebody to kind of like help, like bring another perspective to that. 
to to complement the skill sets. One thing I think about David Tepper is, for as involved as he is, I don't get the impression that he thinks he knows what's best. Or he yeah, thinks he I knows don't, everything. I don't a, yeah, I don't get a Daniel Snyder vibe from him. But what I do think he's he seems to be good at finding people that knows to know if that makes sense like he's not going to say what a head coach should do but he can tell if the guy he's talking to is going to make good decisions as a head coach if you know what i mean like he knows the questions to ask he knows what to look for for different roles like he said in his interview with bill both like putting people in a position where they can succeed and he's that seems to be from our early indications that he's good at that at finding people and putting them in positions where they can do well and I, I hope that continues on the football side of things. Yeah, but I don't think I, he's going to be like Jerry Jones and be like, I'm a, I know football. I'm going to be the general manager. But I think he can be like, this guy can explain. Can I don't know, but I know that this guy knows. Yeah, that, that, that was, kind of thing. And I got to give him mad props, too. He put an empty trophy case at the team facility today. Oh, he did? I didn't see that. Yes. That's That's a bold move. Yeah. That, that was kind of what I was getting at earlier, though, to go back to the previous point, that mm-hmm. I don't think that Tepper is trying to say, like, this or that is what should or shouldn't be done. But I think that he, what he's doing is putting putting guys in who are going to have a different mindset or viewpoint or set of values where it's going to allow them to really come to a better conclusion rather than just leaving say Marty Herney to be the one to make the decision on that third round pick, like Rashawn Galton, like you, like you brought up, John. Um, I think that that's, that's kind of what he's getting at right now is just getting guys who are good at what they do to all come together to make decisions. And I think that's the best way to go about it rather than just the Ron Rivera way of being like, or not even just Ron Rivera, but the old school way of, well, they can play football or like looking at the film, you know, they, they know what they're doing or, all that jazz. I think that what he's trying to do is just put, take the classic and the modern and put them together and make them make something work. And I think that that could be a a really good thing if it goes the way that he envisions it, which I'm not sure how that's going to (laughs) go. I think what I, what I hope he does. And I think this is the way anybody should do when hiring any position is if he says like, he's hiring a head coach and he says, what do you want to do? Like, what is, what is your, vision for your team and then when they explain it i want him to be able to ask why and if the person has to have like evidence-based reasoning and factual reasons for why they want to do things a certain way not like i want to establish the run and stop the run and then if he says why it's like because that's what you need to do to win football games without any like real evidence to that other than just saying cliches like and i i think based on what he said i think that's how he'll be he's like what do you want to do with this team and they'll say whatever and he'll say why and they'll say because this because and this 90 percent of the time it's successful yeah like I have, or whatever yeah thing for it as opposed to just basing yeah. all of your decisions off cliches which is what we've been dealing with for i think, <laughs> yeah. for, I think the entirety of this franchise so Pretty my much. question for the two of you and i think we could probably leave with this one who do you want him to hire Oh God, I don't even know, man. John, I don't know if you have an answer to that, but I, I don't know. So, I don't even know if I do. You can, one, you can, you can cut it to like three people if you can't decide. I have, I have one name just because I read, I read a whole article about it the other week, and I think it's the same name that a lot of people are saying. But uh, I'm intrigued by Stefans, Kevin Stefanski from uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, because I like he's on my short list. The 
the thing. I don't know if you read. The, you probably read the same thing as me. But basically, he took a bad off. Like, we're going to be good at one thing, and that's going to be stretch plays. We're going to just like we are going to run out like off tackle runs, and we're going to drill that into your head, and you're going to be really good at it because we practice it over and over and over again. And everything we do on offense concept. So it's not like us where it's like we're just going to run halfback dives because we're establishing the run. Like you run those stretch plays and then every play you run looks the same at the start and you change it up from there. And then you're better play that you're really good at because you practice it so much. And I like that, that idea. Yeah. Like you have an identity, but you're not, you know, your identity is middle on first and 10 every single time. Yeah. Your identity isn't a, like we're going to run the ball all the time. Your identity is like, this is our formation and this is our base play that we build off of. And if it's there, we'll run it and then we'll counter with like play actions and we'll counter with reverses and we'll counter with different things that you have that keep you honest. So you can't key in on that special play on that certain play, but we're, and we're going to win with that play all the time. And I like that. So Brian, are you punting the question? Um, <laughs> um, if you don't have anybody, it's fine. Now, like, so I would actually love Jim Harbaugh. I would, because I think that he got a, I think he got kind of fucked in San Francisco, honestly. Like, oh, he absolutely did. And I think that he had a winning formula and he made Colin Kaepernick who, granted, I know there's plenty of people out there who think that he was limited quarterback. I think he was good, but Overall, Harbaugh made – overall, that team was very good. Whether it was Alex Smith, whether it was Colin Kaepernick, a quarterback, either way, they were a great team. I think that he could be a great a great candidate for them. Um, I don't want Harbaugh. I think, that, I think that Harbaugh is kind of a dick, but at the same time, I think he's better than a lot of the candidates out there right now. I mean, um, I think Harbaugh would be okay because we won't play Ohio State. Yeah. I, um, my problem is with Harbaugh is that he's – all. He's like he's a like he's a big just kind of like football version of junk science type of like it's Drink all milk about meat steak. Yeah, like I don't eat chicken because it's a I don't because it's, it's a, a scared bird. <laughs> yeah, and so and I don't want to eat it just scared. Like he's like that kind of stuff, and I'm not I'm not real big on I don't I don't see him being the type to be told like hey, uh, this is what math says and he's like i don't want to hear your math this isn't played on a calculator it's played on a football field like he's that kind of guy yeah he's yeah he comes Jim across Harbaugh that way basically what me and brian make fun of you as <laughs> yeah yeah he, your your caricatures of a football guy are jim harbaugh at least that's how he presents himself when i hear him talk now yeah, in I, the interviews i've heard to be fair i would prefer jim harbaugh over Mike McCarthy, well, yeah. Jeff Fisher, Marvin Lewis, Dan Quinn, um, hell, even Greg Roman. Like Greg Roman, I don't want Greg Roman either. Um, the guy I really like, and um, other than uh, Kevin Stefanski from New uh, from Minnesota, I like Eric Bieniemy, mm-hmm. Kansas City's offensive coordinator. That's another good one. He's yeah, a good one. one. He is an Andy Reid disciple, and despite my personal ill will towards Andy Reed. Andy Reed is a, an elite head coach in the NFL. Um, the only and thing he's got an elite coaching tree, he's got an elite coaching tree. The only thing he's not good at is time management, 
but that doesn't seem to be an issue with his coaching tree. It's just him. So mm-hmm. I, I would like to at, at least give him an interview. I think he would be a good candidate and I, he's on my short list. Um, I like him. I like Kevin Stefanski and I like um, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. I can't think. Of I, his name. I do have a curveball for you, but there's a, there's a caveat with it. Um, so I would actually be open to seeing Steve Wilkes come back. No, but the caveat is that like I was describing in the Slack chat earlier, he has no control over the offense. Like I want, I would, if Steve Wilkes were to be the guy, which would make a little bit of sense because of the familiarity with the scheme that's already in place. And a lot of the players that are there, I would want an offensive coordinator, like a Kellen Moore, maybe, or like a, like a Stefanski. But again, he, that would be going back to offensive coordinator, some combination of like Steve Wilkes and an offensive coordinator, a more modern guy, whether it's the offensive coordinator being the head coach or Steve or Steve Wilkes being the head coach. I could you be open to that. You can't do that unless you hire a college coach uh, because to get the guy you want as the offensive coordinator, it would be a lateral move, and you can't do that. Right. I'm just saying that, that yeah. that's just I mean, that was I my curveball pick. I would, I would yeah. perfectly be fine with Steve Wilkes coming back to be the defensive coordinator. I was going to say, uh-huh. it sounds like he – like I feel like you're describing Steve Wilkes as a defensive coordinator. Where it's like but, you coach but the defense, are, but you don't even have you don't any input at all into the offense but, or the offense. But there are, there are situations in the NFL where the defense, where the head coach doesn't do a lot with the offense, where it aside from maybe like a call – like a fourth down call here and there. And like see, I don't want I Steve Wilkes do. having that authority. <laughs> All right. Well, that was just a curveball no. pick of mine. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would want it. I, I think if we're going to go outside the box and really go for the next big thing, um, somebody like Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I've seen him but a few times. With Lincoln Riley, that has to be a if we pick in the in the first round, we have to take Jalen Hurts and pair <laughs> yeah. him with Lincoln Riley like Arizona did with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, you know, put a college coach that runs the same kind of offense with a a first round draft pick. Uh, If we're going to go that route, I would want somebody like Lincoln Riley. Otherwise I want an offensive coordinator that's been successful. Fair enough. Yeah. I want an offensive guy like, and I think Tepper does too. I mean, Joe person tweeted earlier today that, or yesterday that, um, that Tepper wants a, young offensive minded forward thinking coach. So I think that it's safe to, despite what the betting odds are, I think it's safe to rule out guys like Mike McCarthy, Bill Cower. Bill Cower is not going to be our head coach. <laughs> no, it's just no. not going to happen. <laughs> I, I can't believe that that's even like one of the top 10. Yeah. And you know, but those, I don't think we're going to hire one of those guys. I think it's going to be somebody like, be enemy Stefanski, Kellen Moore, um, you know, Roberts, what's his name? Robert Saleh, Sala, um, you know, Jay Gruden. Yeah. Jay Gruden. <laughs> um, the, somebody like that, or we'll go from Poche college head coach. I feel like the young, the whole, I know people joke about it, but the whole like young, offensive-minded head coach thing is going pretty well in general. It is. 
I mean, the Rams are not that good this year, but they went to the Super Bowl last year. The Cardinals look like they are they're going to be decent. They're showing promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Packers are significantly better than they've been in Packers recent years. Packers are significantly better than they've been. Isn't the, Judd calling the plays for the Colts on offense? Uh, he might be. He might be. I know Frank Reich is their head coach, but I think Chud is the offensive coordinator. Yeah, see, the only kind of old-school type guy you're going to be able to get and be successful is if you find another guy like Frank Reich or Doug Peterson. Like, that's that's the only kind of quote-unquote old-school guy that's going to be successful. You, you're you're going to have to go young. I, I wouldn't mind giving Kellen Moore an interview, too. I think he's he's got potential, but Dallas will probably just promote him when they fire Jason Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love how. By the way, that's one other thing, and we probably need to take a break and get to Gina stuff before people get bored of this. But uh, the way Tepper is handling this compared to how Jerry Jones is basically saying, "I can't wait to fire Jason Garrett." Like during yeah. the season, much much better. Yeah, yes, being man to man about it and just letting the guy go was definitely smart. Gives him a respectful send off after what he's done for Carolina. Supposed to no Jerry, how- like, you know, I, I watch our games and I just have. Not saying coach think it's bad. Coach yeah. is bad. Yep. Um, well, we'll get into how Ron Rivera was let go for sure with Gina. Um, I guess we should take a break and we'll we'll get over to uh, Gina and talk about the Falcons and Panthers and a little bit more about Ron Rivera then. And you can hear Brian introduce the show again. Yeah, because See he doesn't know what he was doing. It's a lie. It's a lie yeah. that never happened. See you on the other side. Hello and welcome to your special Ron Rivera is Fired edition of the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is Brian, joined by Brad and John, as always, and our special guest, Gina. Um, this, this isn't going to make a lot of sense in the middle of the show. I know, it's not, but... Welcome uh, back, guys. Well, the welcome back. The show. <laughs> We're still the same people. I didn't know. Let's just talk we- about Ron but, first. But now with one extra. Hi. Yeah, so now with Gina. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Totally starting now. Um. So, yeah. Gina, tell us your thoughts on the Ron Rivera firing and uh, the point you were about to make. Yeah, I, I kind of surprised at the timing. Needless to say, you know, waiting until a Tuesday of a game week to fire a coach is a little bit um, confusing. I know that a couple of days ago they said that they were sticking with Rivera through the end of the season. So to hear that he was fired today, I was genuinely surprised. That said, um, I know that, you know, Pepper said that he did that out of respect for Rivera. He didn't want to look for a new coach behind his back. And if you think back to 2014, all the Falcons had to do that year was win in week 17 against the Panthers at home. <laughs> and that was a year when everybody was going to be seven and nine. Like it was a, it, like whoever won the division was going to be seven and nine. It was a terrible, terrible season. And uh, the Falcons could have gone to the playoffs and Mike Smith lost to the Panthers, which I'm sure that you and your readers will remember well and um, Mike Smith was fired but what precipitated that that morning news broke that Arthur Blank had already hired a search firm so basically even if Mike Smith would have won Arthur Blank was already contracted with a firm to find the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons and that news became public before kickoff and so Mike Smith had to coach that game knowing that he was going to be replaced um 
And so, yeah, I think that the respectful thing to do is to do it the way the Panthers did it. And I, I do appreciate that. I mean, coaching in the NFL is very difficult. I think that from everything that I've heard, Ron Rivera seems like a nice man, um, somebody who certainly cares about his players. You know, players responded very strongly to this news. They weren't expecting it. They took it pretty hard. So, I, you know, if the Panthers were going to do this, I like the way they handled it. I think they handled it in, in a very respectful way. From a division rival point of view, are you do you have any like feelings about him leaving the division or is like are you happy he's gone as like from a football standpoint or are you nervous mm-hmm. about like who the Panthers like they might upgrade or anything like that? I mean, that's always a concern and the Panthers do have a ton of talent. So, um, you know, obviously that's that's a, a pressing concern at this point. Mm-hmm. If they get somebody who knows how to put all that together. I also am just kind of surprised just because Cam has been injured and Allen's been up and down. And so I think that I don't think that Ron Rivera is going to have a hard time getting at least a coordinator role. Um, I think that he'll be a hot commodity and actually letting go of him now gives him the opportunity to just be ready on Black Monday to take offers. Um, So I think that that's good for him also. Um, you know, it just kind of is what it is. I mean, I think that the Panthers would have been a better team this year with Cam Newton behind center. Um, and that's, I think, maybe the most surprising thing about Rivera being fired. But, yeah, I, as far as being concerned, I've got to wait and see who they bring in and that sort of thing. Yeah, like if we hire uh, Jason Garrett or Mike McCarthy, I'm sure you'll be very happy. Well, and I know that Dan Quinn has pretty good odds to be the next yes. coach of the Panthers. We- so, so then I'll be very worried for the first two and a half years, and then after that, not at all. <laughs> so you, okay, so yeah, we hired we hired Dan Quinn, and you're like, all right, so we got to watch out for the Panthers till 2021, and then we are in the clear. <laughs> Free and clear. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Brad and Brian, did you have any questions, or do you want to talk about the game now? You pretty uh, much asked what I was going to ask. I was going to say, you know, how how does it feel? from a division rival. Um, so you pretty much stole my thunder there, John. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, <laughs> if, if, if the day comes that the Saints fire Sean Payton, I will be dancing in the street. Like, I won't even be able to do your podcast because <laughs> I will be outside my house dancing like a lunatic, maybe setting off fireworks. Like, I might even have a party. But Ron Rivera, I think, seems like a nice guy. He was a good coach. Obviously, he took the Panthers to Super Bowl uh, just a few years ago. And the Panthers have been a good team, I think, under his watch. But it's not – he's he's not irritating like Sean Payton, so I can't be happy <laughs> about it. You know what I mean? Like, I just wish him well. Yeah, well, yeah. Who, who, is the, who is the one coach that you absolutely do not want the Panthers to hire as a division rival? Jim Harbaugh. Oh. Oh, that's, that's not who I thought you would say. That's, that's interesting. interesting. I, could, I could totally see that. Actually, I, could say I, I don't want them to hire – I don't want him to hire Dan Quinn either, really, because <laughs> I don't really want Dan in the division. And also, I would prefer they not hire Urban Meyer because I do not like him anymore. So those are – I don't want to <laughs> have to cover Urban Meyer. You that's, know. That's, good. that's true. I was going to say you can root against him, like, really enthusiastically. That's, but That's actually true. The problem is the Panthers are the one team in the division that I don't hate, probably because of you guys. But, yeah, so, Aww. yeah. So, anyway, anyway, yeah, like, I would prefer they not hire any of those guys. <laughs> they just don't hire a coach. Players mm-hmm. can figure it out. Hire the guy from Baylor so that the Falcons don't. How 
how about we do that? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to have, I feel like you you feel the same way about Rivera getting fired as we would about Dan Quinn getting fired. It's just kind of like, eh, it's kind of like, at, like in the later part of his, of his tenure there, because I'm sure he's not going to be there after this year. It was just yeah. like, well, he's not that, he's kind of lost it there. Like he's kind of lost mm-hmm. his touch with that team. So it's not really a, a like, it's, it's not a bad thing. Like it's not a good yeah. or a bad thing. It's just kind of like, whatever. Yeah, I think that, you know, it took Rivera longer. Uh, that trajectory was longer for him, but I mm-hmm. think that they ended up in roughly the same place. Yeah. Basically, I'm still, like, surprised that Arthur Blank, just, that's very, uh, Arthur, not, I know Arthur Blank's a very good person, I think. It's un-Arthur but... Blank. Like, everything I know about Arthur Blank, because I'm also an Atlanta United fan, that just, that mm-hmm. doesn't sound like Arthur Blank. It I looks like, it sounds like. disappointed. I was it sounds like it sounds like something that look that uh, someone that looks like Arthur Blank would do. It does because he totally <laughs> like looks a, like the a, villain in a comic a cartoon, movie. A cartoon villain, yes. Yes, <laughs> but not Arthur Blank, the actual human being. No, exactly. I I completely agree. I was I was very surprised and very disappointed at the way that was handled. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> So That's should we way. talk about the toilet bowl coming up on Sunday or <laughs> yeah, the, the injury and sadness bowl? The um, sadness yeah. bowl. Yeah. So that, that is a thing coming up. So the Falcons will have the, the uh, privilege of facing a Panthers team. That's probably completely unpredictable now because not only is um, Perry fuel going to be the acting head coach, but offensive play calling duties are going to go to not Norv Turner, but his son. Oh. Yeah. Scott. Scott Turner will be playing. Scott Turner will be calling plays, which is very interesting. Yeah, um, Norv is like the special assistant to the GM or some weird <laughs> shit title of all time. Assistant, <laughs> assistant to the regional manager. Yeah, assistant to the regional manager. I'm pretty sure that's his <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't honestly don't know why they didn't just fire him too, uh to to give him that title. Uh, I guess maybe they thought they thought if they fired him that his son would quit and they need somebody to call plays. It would be kind of messed up to have <laughs> you your know, father. That's, that's the only thing that makes any sense. I might yeah. have a little bit yeah. of sour grapes if my father was fired and they're like, "All right, now you're going to do his job." Like, <laughs> might be. I might be a little sour about that. Just a little so. bit of sour grapes. The way Tepper described it was, he wants to, uh, I guess, just evaluate the rest of their staff. So having. Scott Turner call some plays will be interesting, but I'm hoping to see a little bit of aggression out of Carolina's offense, especially since their uh, their strategy against Washington was to have a really nice, diverse, aggressive game plan in the first two drives and then just go back to running up the middle twice in a row and throwing it on third and long Are for the rest of the sure game. Are you sure that Dirk Cutter isn't calling your plays? <laughs> oh, we're he not might be. sure. We, we cannot confirm nor deny that. So you guys yeah. have the same problem where you like run a real diverse like scripted set of plays and then afterwards you run you go to like your five plays that you have otherwise. Yeah, I swear he does like one series where he does different stuff and then everything else is run up the middle on first down, throw short of the sticks on second down, <laughs> definitely don't convert the third down. Like that's his whole offense. Yeah, we have the it's same really- offense. We have yeah. the same offense, but we have like discount Matt Ryan running it. Um, yeah, but discount but you Matt are, Ryan. Great value, Matt Ryan. Yeah, but you also have the uh, 
the um, Fact Fifth Avenue version of Devontae Freeman as a running back. And That's so, true. Yeah. It balances out. It balances okay. out. Um. So looking forward at the game, let's just start with uh, the Panthers' offense against the Falcons' defense. Um, Gina, so, I know the. Before what? we get into specifics, I have a general question. Um, what happened to the Falcons? Um, like they died. You, yeah. You, well, you were you were dead, <laughs> and then they came out of the bye week like really alive, and then they died again. Like you know what, what happened? If you if you want to know the truth. I think that they were always bad. I think that the Saints are super arrogant. And so the Saints came into that game just absolutely positive that they were going to roll the Falcons, no problem whatsoever. And then they didn't. And so then the Falcons came into Carolina with all kinds of confidence. And then they're like, oh, shit, we're so bad <laughs> when they played the Bucks. And so that's just kind of how things went. I mean, they've been the same team the entire time. I really think that the Saints just looked past them. And then the Falcons had, you know, extraordinary confidence going into Carolina. That carried them through that game. That or somebody hard. looked at the draft order and was like, whoa, 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 we got to cut this shit out. We're, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going too far in the wrong direction. At this rate. Yeah, we're never going to get Chase Young at this rate. So that could be it too. Who knows? Well, it was just like after our game and it helped that our quarterback threw like four interceptions in the red zone, but it was like, so are the Falcons just going to like do the Ron Rivera special and finish the season strong for no reason. And just like finish eight and eight. And then the Bucks game happened and you're like, Oh, nope, they're not going to do that. (laughs) Personally, no. So, yeah, beating the Saints once, that was all I needed. I mean, this (laughs) is success as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) It's just a shame that we couldn't do that, too. I know. We came so close to doing it, and it would have been so great for both of us to beat the Saints. Hey, we still have a chance. Especially after Rivera won that pass interference challenge at the end (laughs) of the game. a beautiful moment. And you know Sean Payton was so mad. Oh my gosh. That was wonderful. We still have a chance, guys. I don't know why you're why you're ruling that out. This is random, but the Saints re-signed Manti Teo. I thought he'd been out of the league for a long time. No, he's been there for a while. Yeah, but well they said they just re-signed him. I thought I thought he was I thought he'd been gone for a while. Longer than oh. he has, apparently. I honestly forgot he was even in the NFL. The only thing I remember about him was the fake girlfriend story. He might have had the Wes Horton thing going on where they, they just call him up on speed dial. <laughs> That's what it is. Him. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Every you know, team has a Wes Horton on it. He was he was a healthy scratch for all but five games last year, and then he just got re-signed this week to, no. I guess, fill in for injury. So, yes, he's there, Wes Horton. Yep. Every team needs one. That's so who is, who is the, the Falcons' day. Wes Horton? Basically what he is is he's a guy that's not very good, and – He's hardly ever active on game day, and then he just randomly gets signed when somebody gets hurt. Uh, really hard to narrow that down. Um, <laughs> they have a lot of them. Carry, they, they keep the same inactives on the roster all the time. And so if somebody gets hurt, they find somebody on practice squad to fill that role, and then they make them active generally, which I think hmm. raises You're a allowed lot of to questions. do that? Yes, <laughs> but it raises a lot of questions about why they keep those guys the perpetual inactives on the roster. I think that this is one of the Fal- or one of Falcon fans' biggest issues with Dan Quinn is that he does that. It doesn't make any sense. Like, um, Deidre Sanat, he's a defensive tackle. They drafted him a couple of years ago, has shown a lot of promise. He's inactive every week. Why is he on the roster? 
if it makes you feel any if it makes you feel any better gina the the panthers have had that problem too under the ron rivera era with uh guys like jordan scarlett they just drafted this year or mike davis that they signed off the streets a couple weeks ago and hasn't been active totally forgot about all these all these all these running backs that they could use to spell christian mccaffrey and then mccaffrey gets run to the ground so yeah um we we get it we do we understand just for Gina's knowledge, just for Gina's knowledge, we the Panthers have signed Wes Horton to seven contracts. Like seven. he's been cut and then re-signed six times, and then he signed an extension once. So he's been he signed seven contracts with the Panthers. I think he oh played for goodness. the Saints for a brief stint there, and I think yeah, he no, may either. have appeared in like twenty games total for the Panthers. Wow. He appeared also, a lot in like twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. I want to say. By the way, my title that I wrote for that was really helpful right now for me finding that stat that I wrote in that article. <laughs> the Panthers signed Wes Horton in 2019. Yeah, it was, it was really <laughs> helpful. I, was, I knew the stat was in there, but I was like, there's going to be a lot of Panthers signed Wes Horton articles. Panthers.com, their headline was Panthers bring back defensive lineman Wes Horton and then in parentheses again. <laughs> so even they're too. aware of it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm finding He's... the urge to proselytize about the uh, importance of a good headline, but it really does help. It does. Yeah, it... Wes Horton. Wes Horton has become more of a meme than Brenton Burson did. Oh wow! Point. That now that's yeah. an accomplishment. We didn't. We didn't run it. We didn't run with it like we did with Brenton Burson. But I mean, like Horton definitely has Burson trumped as far as a uh, number of times Carolina's like dialed him on. You know number nine on your speed dial list to be like, yo, come play a couple games for us real quick. He's been signed to seven contracts and he has started 35 games. And that includes 2014 where he started every game, but one. Wow. (laughs) Yep. In three of his seasons with us, he's only, he started zero games. And in one season, he only started two, but yeah. You just got to be a real likable guy and just good enough to play in the NFL. And also be Ron Rivera's son. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, Panthers-Falcons, though. But, yeah, didn't need to, we don't, I don't know if we want to do too much of a deep dive on Wes Horton and his Carolina career. Um, <laughs> the people love it. The people do. They, that's what they're here for. Um, so, Carolina offense kind of going to be a little unpredictable right now as we said scott turner going to be calling the plays um i don't think it's going to be unpredictable though i think that's a that's not really a fair word to use i think it's going to be predictable it's just going to be a different voice in kyle allen's headset okay (laughs) i Um, mean it's his last name is turner uh he's just like his dad it's going to be give the ball to christian mccaffrey um no not like that uh, over and over <laughs> again. That's that's pretty much all. It's, I don't think it's going to be any different. I, for one, am very excited for Christian McCaffrey to get 30 touches a game in a lost season. Yes, I am too. Gina, My fantasy us- team is too, so yeah. <laughs> there you go. Gina, tell us about the Falcons' defense right now. What's the state of that of that part of their team the going in? That is, is pretty much garbage. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you watched any part of the game against the Bucks, but it's like they're just a group of 11 guys who have never heard of American football before. They play like they don't know how to tackle. I mean, they are just, it, they're a complete disaster. I don't know how they look so good against 
Saints and the Panthers, even after all that I said about, you know, them looking past them and then just carrying a lot of confidence in Carolina, I think that's true. I don't know how, like, I don't know if they had some kind of video game power-up or, like, what happened to them, but they actually looked good for those two games, and now they are just abysmal again. So, you know, they miss their assignments. Communication is poor. They don't tackle. They Their fundamentals are just garbage. I, I just don't even know what to say about it. They're bad. That's my my professional opinion. I mean, that sounds a lot like Carolina's defense before Ron Rivera was let go. So, so this we this game is totally going to end up being like nine to six or three (laughs) to nothing or some shit like that, isn't it? Because and and, and in in Atlanta's proud 2019 tradition, that'll come with like three missed field goals by who? So, I was going to ask about him. You know. Generally, been very good. I'm just—it's been quite a journey this year at kicker. Um, but yeah, Koo has been very good generally. He didn't have a great game against the Bucks, but the week before he did win—you um, know—special teams player of the week. I think that he's done very well since he was signed, and he's been one of the very few bright spots this season. He's the best onside kicker the league has ever seen. Oh my but... gosh, they should just onside kick every time. I mean, I know. Hit, I know that one didn't count, but he hit three in a row. That was absurd. Did you get? Did Brad? Did you and Brian? Brian, did you guys see that? Yes, no. I did. Yeah, the I Falcons recovered three onside kicks in a row. One of them didn't count because they called a bad offside, like it was a bad call. But they, yeah, they recovered three onside kicks in a row. I assume this was was this last week or was it? On yeah, it, was against, it was on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I was driving home, so I didn't see it. Are you concerned at all that his kicks are really ugly? Like, he kicks a lot of, like, side spinning stuff that goes really low. They go in, but they don't look very good. I mean, John, have you noticed <laughs> that the Falcons have won three games this season? I really don't care. Okay. <laughs> those things. If that starts causing him to consistently make, make, ugh, miss kicks, They'll just get another kicker. I mean, it doesn't. It's a lost season. I, I'm not worried about it. I hope that they onside kick though every opportunity they get because he is very good at that. I um I'm rooting for him too though, so I, I want him to do well. I just I just thought I just don't like watching his kicks go. They make me nervous because they're always like yeah. twirling around and going like halfway up the uprights where most kickers are kicking like over the net. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my kicker that my kicker questions for the for the evening oh good i'm glad you could get those out of the way john um i go for the deep cuts this is the stuff yeah. people want to know yeah well, let's well, talk about the punter while we're at it yeah tell us about I the know, punter well, i know his name's uh, matt, matt like everybody matt else that takes snaps <laughs> yes the falcons uh, there's some kind of law that they're only allowed to have players named matt on the mm-hmm. team uh, Matt Bosher actually is back this week. He's been on injured reserve. They have just activated him. So actually, punter is kind of relevant. It is always uh, relevant. It's one of the most important plays of the game. I think so. A punt is a good play. Sometimes well, you just have to throw up the white flag and punt. I mean, that's just the way it goes. You got to win the field position battle. Win the yep. field better, position battle. Better than an arm punt, which we have all seen a lot of those this year. <laughs> Both of us, yes. Yeah. 
Actually, I don't think Kyle Allen has thrown too many arm punts. Usually his interceptions are when we're driving and in the red zone and he throws it right to the corner yeah. in, the, in the goddamn end zone. It's <laughs> usually what Kyle stride, Allen yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, you, you weren't here for the show after the Falcons game, but and I don't think John was either. Um, oh, I was very upset to not be able to go Brad on Brad and I were discussing the fact that Kyle Allen actually threw the greatest pass of his entire career in that game. To Desmond um, Trufant. Yeah, he, he <laughs> stepped up in the pocket. He flung that. It had excellent velocity, excellent spin. was really pretty going through the air. wasn't like a duck. It was very direct right into the chest of Desmond Trufant. Absolute dot. Well, I, mean, I, I honestly, I wanted Desmond Trufant to return it for a pick six just because that pl- that pass deserved to be a touchdown. That's how pretty of a throw it was. And it was already like 20, 26 to three at that point anyway, so it didn't matter. So, I mean, I just, I hated it. I believe my my live reaction was, oh, oh look at you. Oh, okay. My All literal right. online reaction was LOL. <laughs> that was my real life reaction too yeah i mean that's i just couldn't i i cackled when it happened same yeah i did the, the last two interceptions he threw i laughed very hard the, o- the only thing he's done this year that was funnier than that was the last play of the game last week against washington <laughs> where all he had to do was throw it to the back corner of the end zone and let Jarius Wright try to make a play and he literally ran backwards for 25 yards and got sacked and fumbled with no time left in the game. I've never seen anybody do that. Yeah. You saw Especially it, right, Gina? With, with, no, with nobody in his face, there was the, it was the only time all game that the offensive line actually blocked for him, and he, he just he ran backwards. I've never seen it. What is it about quarterbacks in the NFL with the last name Allen where there's just like an experience with them? There's a whole overarching experience where you get great passes and – unbelievable in the moment plays combined with just such stupid cartoonish bullshit. What is it about the NFL and quarterbacks named Allen? I don't get it. I think they're just not good because that's kind of the general not good quarterback uh, problem. (laughs) Did you see, I don't want to belabor this too much, but did you see the like player tracking overlay of that last play against it's Washington. So great. <laughs> so great. It, it, it's yeah, Kyle Allen, like it just has the numbers and the like the player movements and Kyle Allen just for it's very obvious that there's no pressure. It's even more apparent that there's no pressure with the player tracking data. And so it just looks like for no reason whatsoever he just turns and runs away off the picture because he runs so far backwards. Wow. It's it's hilarious. Incredible. Back to, we should get back to the Falcons talk. We're getting way off topic. Yeah, yeah. I feel like our inability to focus on this game shows what kind of game it is. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah pretty much. I, I honestly don't even want to watch it. Like the only reason I'm going to is because I have to. I want to watch it just because um, yeah. it's different. But yeah. Yeah, I love when the Falcons fans tweet me this year, and they're like, "Well, just don't watch it." And I'm like, "It's my job. It's my like, job. I, like I have, I have to." Have do you really think that I would spend my time on this if I weren't <laughs> being paid to do it? Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. A little, a little fun fact, just for all sorts of Charlotte and Atlanta misery. Uh, I don't know. The Hornets, Charlotte Hornets, play the Atlanta Hawks like an hour after the end of the the Falcons and Panthers game. So just all of our bad teams can play each other in one day. Just get that out of the way. Oh. I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> 
you know, honestly, nice. what we should do just to make it fun, the Panthers and Falcons should play basketball, and the Hawks <laughs> and Hornets should play football. Just, just trade rosters yes. for the day. That game would probably end the same way. Flag football, I don't care. I don't want yeah. anybody to get hurt. Two-hand-touch flag, whatever, that's fine. But I yes. think it would be more entertaining. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea. It absolutely would be more entertaining. Um, yeah, that would be amazing, actually. Um, I would gladly tweet about the Hornets playing the Hawks for an entire Sunday. football. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. flag football. Um. Gina, I know we got a little bit off topic, but uh, it's a little bit. I talked about the we talked about the Falcons' defense. Tell us a little bit about the Falcons' offense. I know Devontae Freeman appears to be back this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Devontae what... should be out there. Uh, I think that the bigger concern for the Panthers and part of the reason the Falcons did have more trouble against the Bucks, Austin Hooper uh, should be back too. And so that, oh, considering those, yeah, the oh, good. Considering the season that he's had, I think that that could be of concern to the Panthers. Um, Devontae Freeman really has had the one good season. He's a player that I like a lot. He's just not, you know, I mean, he's not Christian McCaffrey. Um, And so I don't think that he's that big of of a concern for the Panthers defense, even though their run defense has struggled this year. Um, (laughs) Putting it mildly. I I think I could probably rush for 100 yards on the Panthers defense right (laughs) now. So Devontae is probably good. If you, if you play daily fantasy, start Devontae Freeman. Actually, I do, and I might. Oh, I know um, you do. I meant in general. Yes, in general, <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, yeah, and then I, I'm not sure Julio will be healthy enough to play this week. He's got the shoulder injury, so we'll have a better idea about that probably by Thursday, depending on his practice status. But, you know, they're depleted by injury, which is something that y'all are familiar with. Um, they have, they've got dirt cutter calling the plays, which is a real liability. And so, you know, they'll, <laughs> they'll do what they do. They will run up the middle on first down a whole lot. The Panthers will be ready for that. And so I think that that should make their path a little bit easier on Sunday. We'll see about that. I mean, I don't know how many healthy Panthers defensive tackles they have anymore, to be honest. Like, uh, yeah, we were an injury away from putting an offensive lineman at defensive tackle last week. Yeah, like oh, no, oh joke. no joke. No McCoy, joke because yeah. Gerald McCoy was playing hurt the entire game because of that. Oh, well, like, you guys remember Levine Poilolo, who was yes. a – Yeah, so – and he, he was like a string bean, right? Like 6'8 and not – like he did not weigh enough to fill out a 6'8 frame. And there was one game against the Vikings where – all of the offensive linemen got injured in Toilolo's playing tackle. And we were like, well, this is a loss. <laughs> yeah, about where now. we were. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted to see, like, Daryl Williams try to play a defensive tackle or something, though. Like, I mean, maybe that would have been his true calling. At this calling. point, it would just be the meme of Daryl Williams. The only position on the offensive line he hasn't played is center yet. So. Might as well, well throw him out there a defensive tackle. I mean, Greg Van Roten was one of the backup centers, so, you know. It's, we're not that far off from Daryl Williams playing center. Um, so, yeah, I could totally see him be, being a defensive tackle. I mean, he's already good at giving up sacks, so maybe he can take that, that knowledge and transition it to the interior rush on the on the defensive side. Um, it would be hilarious if he's like an all-pro defensive tackle and we just don't know it. <laughs> yeah. Like he's John Randall or something and we just don't know it. <laughs> 
His talent's always been getting quarterbacks on the ground. We've just been playing them on the wrong side of the ball to do it. <laughs> um, as far as the Panthers' offense goes, um, DJ Moore will probably be heavily involved again on Sunday. He's been on a bit of a tear over the last few weeks. Gina, I know you love that since he used to play for LSU. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, Curtis Samuel actually had a decent game last week, despite Carolina's offensive struggles. I know John loves where that. Did, where did he go to school? Curtis Samuel? Uh, I think he played for Michigan, yeah. Uh, sir, he went to <laughs> the, the Ohio State University. Put some respect on that name. It's a shame he didn't learn how to catch while he was there. I mean, honestly, the Panthers should be using him the same way Ohio State did, where they just – he's an athlete. He's very elusive. Mm-hmm. He's very fast. They do use him sometimes on jet sweeps and, and whatnot, but they don't do it enough. And they're trying to turn him into a Jerry Rice-like wide receiver, and I don't think that's what he no, is. And, I agree. Yeah, he and he's – when he got drafted, I was super excited about seeing him and McCaffrey on the same team because they're both with Army guys. They're both, you know, if, if Samuel gets in space, he can make plays, but he's a good, he's a decent receiver for a running back. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to be a Jerry Rice kind of receiver. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a running back insane. who can kind of catch. He's not a wide yes. receiver who can run. No, exactly. And John absolutely hates him. Hate him as a human being. It's I don't really. It's just the thing where like everybody was like really high on him coming into the season, and I was like, he, I don't think he's very good. And everybody's like, well, your opinion's wrong and terrible. And I was like, no, I really think he's not that good. And and now you're like, hey guys, guess what? He's not that good. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm yeah, he's not that good. Yeah, he's not that good. I think it's more of that they're asking a fish to climb a tree than it is that he's not very good. It's not even just that it's not just that they're asking a fish to climb a tree. They're asking a fish to climb a tree without any form of climbing gear in the in the form of Kyle Allen. Like there have been so many times where he's been open down the field and Kyle Allen throws a duck to him. It's like Or like last week when he was wide open and the defender fell down and Kyle Allen threw it like fifteen yards over his head. Yeah. Like, Allen's not the type of quarterback to deliver those kind of throws down the field. Like, he could be good at it. Like, I actually see some Ted Ginn in him sometimes when he's running r- yards routes down the field. May not be a good or bad comparison, but he's not the th- best at catching the ball. But he, if he had Cam Newton delivering strikes to him, he might catch more footballs, you know? I think Ted Ginn, not that they're the same player, but I think him and Ted Ginn are, like, a similar – like level of wide receiver, if that makes sense. He's a slower Ted Ginn. He's not that much slower, but yeah, where not it's that like, much slower, but he is slower. But he's like unreliable and he's very fast in a straight line, but he's not like very crafty shifty. after the catch. Yeah, he's not shifty at all. Because uh, yeah. we like, he gets people, like, he'll have people in front of him after the catch and he'll try to juke and he just kind of trips over his own feet and falls. And so it's, but if he gets ahead of steam going, like that's why he's really good on the jet sweeps where he can run in a straight line and then just run past people because he's faster than them. Like that's where he's best with the ball in his hand. Yeah. And the Panthers should run that jet sweep at least twice a game. Yeah. And they don't. Hell, even a fucking Maybe, maybe they will with Scott Turner. You hey, know. Maybe they will. 
I want to see Christian McCaffrey throw a touchdown to Curtis Samuel. I think that would be cool. I want to see, yeah, I want to see Christian McCaffrey just throw a touchdown to anybody. Yeah. Look, if they're going to make it happen, they should make it happen against the Falcons. Their defense is abysmal. I they should. They can do it. This yeah. week, they should line up Christian McCaffrey in the Wildcat. And then, mm-hmm. but instead of doing like a fancy like halfback pass, they should just have him just drop back like he's in the shotgun and just play just regular quarterback for a possession. I'm okay with that. Yeah, just like everybody run like route like regular route trees, like regular route combos, just make him quarterback for a play. But it's like wildcat because he's a running back. Yeah. Make him taste some milk. <laughs> yeah. Gina, before we get into scoring predictions, I just want to get a real quick take from you. Give yeah. us a player that about that uh the Panthers might not Panthers fans I should say might not be looking at or aware of who might have an impact on this game. Um, maybe an X factor if that's too much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if there's an X factor on the Falcons team, but I will say a guy who has really stepped up with Julio Jones being out, um, with Devontae being out, with Austin Hooper being out is wide receiver Russell Gage. Also, I knew you were going to say that. I, I knew it. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Good, um, good job, Ryan. And so his productivity might be a little bit diminished if Hooper is back and if Julio is healthy, but he has developed really good chemistry with Matt Ryan. He is he's proven himself to be a really capable receiver. I think that he could cause some problems for Carolina. Well, Carolina's secondary hasn't been great at covering over the last few weeks, so yeah, I, I don't disagree there. Defense has been bad at literally everything, so any player can be an X factor for the Falcons. Yeah, on Sunday. That's true. <laughs> um, let's get into scoring predictions. Um, why don't I start with Brad? Brad, give me your scoring prediction for Sunday. Well, um, I think because neither defense can stop anybody, and they're both trash. Uh, I think the Panthers are going to win two to nothing <laughs> because you never know, you know, the, the Panthers Falcons games are always just a gigantic ball of what the fuck was that? Like, it doesn't matter what the records are. It doesn't matter where the game is played. Like they could play the game on the surface of the moon and it wouldn't make a difference. Um, it always just Football at its most hilarious every time these two teams play, no matter what. Uh, and it's always the least – the thing you would least expect is what happens. So I, I think the Panthers are going to win two to nothing. John. Uh, I really have no idea who to pick to win it. So I'm just going to pick the Falcons to win uh, 31 to 21. All right. Because Matt Ryan's better than Kyle Allen. Hot take. Hot take. Why do you hate Kyle Allen, John? I thought you were a Panthers fan. <laughs> because I, I care more about being right than watching my team do well. Oh, At least he admits it. Um, yeah, that is true. <laughs> Gina, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? I think Panthers 28, Falcons 3. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea how much I want that to happen, Gina. You have no idea. Listen, listen, it would just be perfect for the season. The season has been a nightmare. It's been horrible. Like, that is definitely the way that things are going. I will not be surprised. I am preparing for the worst and hoping that I'm wrong. But 
I'm probably not wrong about the 2019 Falcons. They're terrible. And I wanted the Falcons to win 28 to three last time we played. If it means anything to you, well, it actually I made me mad. That. It actually made me mad that they scored 29 instead of 28. Well, it did give me a good sweater smoke, so I'm not upset about it. But I do appreciate your support. <laughs> the, the best part about it will be that I get to read another like hundreds of 28 to three jokes on the internet for the next four years. Isn't it wonderful? It's just I, I love I seeing the same jokes every single day for years. Imagine being somebody who is paid to cover this team. I, I'm sure you see them even more than I do. <laughs> it is. And, and they're I, all worse than mine. Mine are all funnier <laughs> than theirs. And so that's the part that I find most offensive, actually. <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm, I've had enough of them. So I, I hope that we win by any score other than 28 to 3. I predict a Falcons win by 27 to 3 would be my score. Thanks, because Brian. then we can average out to 28 to 3 and still be mad about it because the Panthers didn't lose 28 to 3. But I real talk think that Joey Sly is going to miss a few more field goals because that's just what he does. Um, I don't think that Carolina is going to figure out their offense against uh, Atlanta this time around. So. I think that's going to be a long game again, and uh, yeah, I think the Falcons are going to win this one. Yeah, no, my my real legitimate prediction is that the Falcons are going to win like twenty-eight to ten or something like that. I, you know, I I don't think that Carolina really stands much of a chance. I I just I, I just I just don't see I'll be, it. I'll be at the facility tomorrow, the Falcons facility, and I'll go in the locker room and I'll see what their mood is, and I will be able. I want to reserve the right to revise my prediction via Twitter. If they're in good spirits, if in the locker room they seem like a team that can win this game, I will revise it. But for right now, I'm going to stick with my 28 to 3 Panthers prediction. Fair enough. <laughs> well, Gina, thank you for joining us as always. It's always a pleasure to uh, talk about these sad, sad football teams that we like to cover. Um, Anything you'd like to give, give us what you're, what's going on with you with uh, Falcons Twitter, the Falcoholic, et cetera, yeah. in your life? You can find my work at the Falcoholic. Um, I write stuff there several times a week. Um, you can find me on Twitter tweeting pictures of my dog, and, which is great. Uh, and that's, yeah, you can find me on the Falcoholic podcast. And if you happen to be a displaced Panthers fan in Atlanta, find me on Fox 5 on Thursday night. Sounds good. Thank you, Gina. <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, thanks, you Gina. See you, Gina. And see y'all later, mm-hmm. listeners. Yes. Thanks for tuning in to the Keep Sounding podcast. As always, joined by John and Brad. Enjoy Sunday's game. Enjoy Scott Turner playing, calling the plays. And uh, hopefully the Panthers do win, despite our pessimism here. Thanks. See you. Later. Keeps the football. Takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Newton keeps, lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shuttle pass McCaffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. 
He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know. It is good, and Carolina gets a run.